0: Welcome to the Pilot Boys podcast where you'll get the real on all things sports, music and pop culture.
1: Boys, fly,
2: boys,
0: so cool. And here are your hosts Vishwant and Partha.
3: We are here with my very dear friend Swish Goswami out of Toronto, Canada, the CEO of Trufan, an awesome company that's helping. I, I actually know your elevator pitch from Stadia that's helping businesses to get better insights on what's happening with their influencer marketing. It's an awesome tool that we actually use. So check them out. Um, your fellow brown person in the sports tech entrepreneurship world, Swish, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you for having me. I'm super amped.
5: I'm going to start off by asking you, how'd you get get the nickname Swish?
4: Good question. So my full name is Swarochish, very long, kind of like 12, 13 characters. It's actually kind of awkward. I didn't count before I came on the show how many characters my full name is. But uh, but no, I uh, played basketball in junior high and uh, I played basketball at the Calgary Science School. So you can imagine how competitive our basketball team really was. But uh, I was the starting power forward at the time because I was the oh, tallest wow. kid in the class. Very quickly became the shortest kid in the class almost. But um, in grade seven, my coach, Mr. McWilliam, couldn't pronounce my full name and gave me the nickname Swish. So I took the first two letters, last three letters of my name uh, and mixed it together. And I started telling people in high school, university onwards that
3: just call me Swish. Man, it's a good name being in the sports field. Now, <laughs> A lot of I pressure look, though, fuck. I think about this a lot. You mentioned you were tall, young, and then mm-hmm. you became shorter as you got, relative to your peers as you got older. Yeah, Do you ever think about how that affected your personality?
4: No, not really. Like I, I started not really caring about competitive sports past grade 10. So past grade 10, I started debating a lot and I, I joined the national team and that became kind of like a full-time job, literally. Like every two weeks I was traveling somewhere, I was really behind school. So I couldn't focus on anything but debate in school. So for me, like sports became more of just like watching it as a fan and not really playing it. Whereas definitely like if I was the shortest kid in the class in like grade seven, eight or nine, like that would have really hurt. I think I would have, I would have felt pretty, pretty sad about that because basketball was a big part of my life. Cricket wasn't a big part of my life growing up dancing was a big part of my life like i was very like athletic growing up
3: what was that like bollywood dance or i i fast wasn't fast.
4: enrolled in bollywood dance for a year my mom definitely nice. made me take a class it was so awkward though because nice. i'm the only kid like all the other people were like 30 year old <laughs> white moms and it was me and like this 14 year old brown kid um and then oh. i decided to take a hip-hop class and started oh, continuing nice. on with that yeah, yeah yeah yeah
3: so how do you feel about break dancing being in the olympics now
4: Oh, happy, very happy, because I had a lot of friends who were break dancers, but people always ask me, like, oh, could you ever break dance? And there's no way. Like, it's, yeah. you got to be on a different level to be able to do that.
2: <laughs> yeah.
5: <seriously. laughs> okay. I want, I want. I want to dig in the most, one of the more curious things about your story is that you're almost kind of like a mutt in mm-hmm. terms of, in terms of your experiences, right? You started off, I think you were born in Singapore. Yep. Um, yep and i've i've gotten a chance to visit that country it's one of the most amazing countries on on earth mm-hmm. yeah um, but tell us how you went first from a kid in singapore your experience there mm-hmm. and then how you moved to a completely different country you know as a kid that's that's challenging right because you've probably you probably established friendships a lot of, a lot of yeah. connectivity mm-hmm. uh, Tell us about that. And then you end up in in Calgary, Calgary, which is uh, completely different than Singapore. Oh, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. You went from like one of the nicest, most tropical, cleanest places in the world to literally like the ice planet Hop in Star Wars, Um, (laughs) like just very cold and desolate. Like people don't even really know Calgary too well even if you're American. Um, But I, I, I enjoyed Singapore. Like, I really enjoyed Singapore. I had a very beautiful childhood there from, like, zero, I guess, to, you know, nine, nine years old, really. And, um, you know, for me, like, growing up in Singapore, uh, having friends, I think Singapore is actually one of the first countries that I felt was incredibly diverse. Like, people speak nice. to, like, the multiculturalism in Canada, and definitely there's a, a lot of cultures in Canada, but it's such a big country. I would, I would obviously expect that. For like a very small island country, Singapore is incredibly diverse. Like I, I grew up with brown friends, I had Chinese friends, I had people that were from Africa, like from Sudan, that were in my class. Uh, and obviously, you know, I don't keep in touch really with most of my friends that I made in preschool and primary one and primary two, which is grade one and two in Singapore, but. Um, it was still cool at least to be able to have a childhood there and then to go from there to to Calgary definitely was a big leap. And I think it was also a leap from an education point point of view because you learn at such a quick rate in Singapore and and generally in Asia, I think, even in India and the Philippines and China, Um, that when I came into grade three, like, my brother could have gotten promoted three levels. I could have been promoted one level, um, but we decided to stay in our grades and it was just probably the easiest time in school I've ever had. Like I, I just, wow. I, there was no competitive, like, you know, feeling there was like kind of just get, great, like get pretty good grades and be able to focus on things outside of school, which is where the passion for cricket and dance and all of that started to pop up early on.
3: What about business? When did that start for you? Not until very later. Like I I had extensive entrepreneurship,
4: I guess, if you will. Like I, my dad was an engineer by trades and that's why we moved to Calgary because he was working at an oil and gas company called SNC Lavalin. And he wanted to kind of teach me a bit about engineering. So we built something together, which I sold. It was a hovercraft, a remote controlled rechargeable hovercraft when I was like nine or 10 years old. Um, and, And it was great, you know, like it was a great experience. Sat down with him, had to like, across five months you know go from like drawing designs all the way to building the actual thing i i personally don't even think i contributed like 50 percent like it was <laughs> way less than that like he did most of the work but i was there and it was really cool to be able to build something from scratch and then sell it um but the word entrepreneur never actually came into my vocabulary i think until like the age 15 maybe or 16 like it was it was later on in life when i actually realized holy shit like you don't have to be rich to be able to be a, a businessman and, and start a business and make that your full-time career right out of school.
5: Was there culture shock for you going from, you know, a place that you saw a lot of people that that look like you in other shades similar to yours to coming mm-hmm. to a place like Calgary, which yeah. isn't nearly as diverse?
4: You'd be surprised, man. Like there's an entire quadrant in Calgary called the Northeast, yeah. <laughs> which is just like you know, Pakistanis, Indians, Bangladeshi, yeah, like Sri Lankan, we
2: everywhere. You
4: were. <laughs> exactly right. Like it's like the ethnic enclave in Calgary, yeah. basically. But I, I was, I wasn't. It wasn't a big kind of shock. I think the bigger shock was just the weather. Like <laughs> the weather was so fucking cold that, like, the first time we moved from Singapore to Calgary, we hated it. That we moved back to Singapore, and then yeah. we had to eventually move because uh, they put mandatory military service in. And my brother, who's four and a half years older didn't foresee himself doing that. And yeah. uh, you know, I'm I'm too young to make a decision on that. At the time I was really angry because I loved Singapore and, you know, obviously I had friends there and wanted to live there my whole life, but eventually I had to move and and major part of that was because of kind of national service popping up and, and being mandatory. Wow. Nice. Yeah, wow. Do you
3: think you would have done it?
4: I, I, now, no, but at the age I was in, if there was a button to be like stay or leave, I would have clicked stay. Yeah. Like I, I would, I just loved Singapore and I still do. It's just, you know, uh, two years of your life. It's a lot, man. Like, do yeah, I, I don't know, uh, kind of. So my dad now actually moved back. No. Um, but I, I, don't really talk too much to my dad anymore. So I, I, used to go, uh, like maybe the last time I went was like three years ago, four years ago to visit him. And then I stopped talking to him really. So I, I don't really go back. Um, but I would love to because, like, I remember where I went to school. I remember the mall I used to go to every weekend. I remember, you know, our two condominiums, one right in front of each other because we moved places, and I remember Hillview Green. That was one of them, and Hillbrooks was another one. And every condo had a fucking big ass swimming pool in the actual complex. Like it was insane. They lived
3: lavishly. by the way, yeah. yeah.
4: Oh no no I thought you were going to talk about the movie sorry uh no. Crazy Rich Asians I watched no. Crazy Rich Asians I have not watched that show
3: though, yeah that's <laughs> a fun one that's a really right. fun one to watch yeah, right right
5: it's it's um the thing that I love the most about the the multiculturalism of, of Singapore is the fusion of the food yeah i think yeah. The food there is some of the most incredible food that i've that i've ever had and i mm-hmm. whenever i find a a restaurant with that cuisine I, i'm always going to in any city i always go and uh, try to make sure I get a meal.
4: What's unique you think about it? The, it's like ha- it, I actually, I genuinely think they were the ones that invented Haka. Um And don't quote yeah. me on this, but I, I think it's this fusion of like Chinese and Indian food, and yeah. it's made in just they use sauces from every culture, and it's
3: it's fantastic. It's amazing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's amazing. I love yeah. those crossover types of cuisines. Oh. They're always so, would so you, good. Would you the best?
5: Is there any sort of? I know it's a. It's also a country with strict laws. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now now that you've uh, you've kind of come over and lived in Canada for a while, the fact that you guys kind of were Singapore nationals and and didn't meet that requirement, Mm -hmm. what would kind of be the penalties, if any, you would face?
4: no penalties i mean i can go back and visit i just can't live there and i guess you know if i if i tried to live there i'd it'd be i'd be imprisoned um mm. but you know or it, at you know probably worse deported but at the at the same time like it was just so funny because then i when i came from singapore to calgary i had no clue what gum was and i remember the first ever piece of gum i had was a yellow dried gum
2: yeah and
4: <laughs> i just remember like being like holy shit this is like the greatest thing ever and i remember like stealing gum from people it's actually a really bad problem i had i, I stole pencils and i stole gums and I, I used to sell the pencil that smelled really good like when you rub it um those are the <laughs> there, two things there's I used the
5: entrepreneur do. there's the entrepreneurial <laughs> <Yeah>. thing,
4: hustle, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but drill, i didn't resell it wasn't like I, re- I wasn't reselling it i was eating it <laughs> like or <Yeah>. using <laughs> the pencil <Yeah. laughs> um but yeah th- that was different and then obviously like you know they have yeah, you, know, you bring like marijuana into Singapore, you're going to get killed. Yeah. Like, you, they literally have the death penalty yeah. for weed and for most drugs. So, it's very different, like, very different, wow. very different. Yeah, very different.
5: Yeah, and I, and that that's why I wanted to ask in terms of you coming to North America, which Canada is also a very liberal place like the United States. Mm-hmm. Do you see what do you see as kind of like the pros and cons of potentially like a very strict stringent system like singapore Mm -hmm. versus a system like the united states or canada which which isn't as strict and there is there are far less restrictions on uh on a lot of things
4: i think i think you know there's three things to consider i think one is i think there are certain things that are strict about the u.s and canada it's just put under the blanket here i don't think we i don't think it's enforced but i think there's like there are it's actually interesting like racism in Singapore is very overt and that's what my dad used to actually tell me too in the workforce it's very blatant um whereas like in Canada I feel like here because we're so multicultural we don't talk about racism we pretend like it doesn't exist when it actually does and I think actually that's a more dangerous world where like racism is subtle and it's not addressed uh because we have these things in our charter that we think just make it you know irrelevant and not something worth talking about. I think the second thing, obviously just Singapore has a lot to do in terms of freedom of expression is important. I definitely had a lot of friends that debated in Singapore. It was funny because one of the times I went back to Singapore is when I debated in grade 12, I was part of team Canada and our world championship was in Singapore that year. And uh, I got to go up against my home country in the grand final. And uh, it was the topic on universal basic income. We were against it. They were for it. It was a biased topic, in my opinion. I think it's obviously we should support a universal basic income in an ideal world where like budget isn't a thing, which is what debate land is. But but, yeah, like we debated them. And it was so great to like hear these incredibly smart, articulate, open-minded Singaporeans. And then I realized that out of the entire Singaporean debating team I faced, all of them didn't stay in Singapore for college. They all left. They all went to Oxford, Cambridge, Harvard. They all left, and none of them have gone back. And I asked one of them, "I'm like, you know, interesting. Like, why did you decide, decide to go to Harvard? Like, you know, you have Yale and US and Singapore, you have um, some really good colleges, uh, and, and why not just stay there?" And they said, "I, I can't study what I want to study in an open and kind of experimental way." Because you can't question ideals in Singapore. There's a a very kind of Mm -hmm. ceiling there. Like you can't go in the media and talk about gay rights. Like it's, it's tough. Like, you know, now they're starting to get a little bit more progressive. I think there's a day called Pink Day where people take a pink lighter in Singapore and put it to the sky. But like you have like these small like flashes of progression. But for the most part, Singapore is still very controlled in its narrative of trying to enforce very particular doctrine down people's throats. And not really allowing for that type of freedom of expression that I think we take for granted here in the United States and in Canada. I think the third and final thing which is a bit different is I think in the US and Canada there's a lot more of like polarization when it comes to schools of thought, right? And I think that's good and bad. Obviously in the US recently we're we're seeing quite a lot of kind of the bad side of polarization, but the problem with Singapore is there's no polarization. So like I just find that like your life is very limited there. You have a great quality of life. But I think what people believe in Singapore is that in order to get a good quality of life, you need to sacrifice certain things. And the things that I would want to sacrifice don't stem with like ideological beliefs, worldview, like I'm not willing to ever sacrifice stuff like that. So I just felt like, you know, in retrospect, I probably wouldn't have lived in Singapore my whole life. Like I thought I would have when I was like nine or 10 years old.
5: I, I'm a firm believer that our experiences in life determine who we become. Mm-hmm. And I think that was probably an important part of your life, that kind of combined experience of a culture like that. And then coming to Canada, yep. it, it, it opens your mind in a different way. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and, and perhaps you might have never become an entrepreneur staying in Singapore. No. But your experience in Singapore in some way probably triggered, influenced your desire to become an entrepreneur um, and to open up your thinking beyond, okay, education, I need to study and go into a specific profession. Coming here kind of Mm -hmm. allowed a mind that was curious to actually explore that curiosity in a better sense while you still probably gave you a greater appreciation for it because of where you came from, right? Totally,
4: Um, totally. I mean, also just competitiveness, you know, like Singapore yeah. is an ultra competitive society. We, we have academic tracking there. So from like pretty much preschool, you're put into streams, right? The gifted stream, the, the average oh, wow. stream, the needs work stream, like they, they follow that rigorously. Um, and so for me, like my brother and I are ultra competitive. And I think it comes not only from Singapore, it just comes from, you know, a brother brotherly rivalry that's yeah. very loving. We're, we're best friends. We love each other, but we always try to one up each other. And, and that was very important for me to develop, I think, because it gave me like this feeling of like, whatever it is I do, I just want to be the best at it. And whether that's in sports or debate, or uh, even with, with business, obviously, it's hard to kind of quantify what you're going up against. But you obviously want to do the best that you can with whatever opportunities are in front of you.
3: How do yeah. you measure that for business? Do you, how do you get a sense of how good you are doing at your job? I I, I now actually
4: think it's mainly based off like employee feedback. Like I think now we're at the standpoint where, you know, I I like to hear feedback directly from employees and I hope that over time it changes. So like, I, I do think one of the biggest challenges I'm facing right now is just being a good manager. Like being an entrepreneur doesn't mean you're going to be a good manager, right? Being a good right. entrepreneur, you might be great at raising money. You might be good at thinking of I, an I idea. I literally
3: but... just said that to somebody. It's like the <laughs> right? first part of building a business has nothing to do with actually running a Learning business.
5: Running and managing it. No.
3: So just because no. you raise the money does not mean you're a good CEO. It means exactly. you're a fundraiser.
4: Exactly. And so now, you know, we're, we're a team of 25 people. Everything's remote. We obviously brought on a new team now with Player and, I'm having to realize that, okay, I need to get good at this. So it's not just about reading books. It's about literally just listening to people, hearing what worked for them in the past, what continues to work for them now in terms of how they like to communicate, what sorts of things they expect from you, what sorts of things they expect from themselves, and keeping that dialogue open. So my biggest thing is I'm hoping that the feedback that I get five months ago, I'm able to act on it. And the next time people talk to me in a one-on-one or a monthly check-in, they give me better feedback that I can work with. That's one. And then I think number two is just more of like, personal goals. Like I I do have personal goals. And so though I can't compare myself to another entrepreneur, and I try to stay away from that now, because there's a lot of I think harmful effects it can have on your mind too if you compare Mm -hmm. your chapter and kind of your story to other people that you have no clue what they're going through or what their you know, what what their background even is. But I, I do have goals of my own. I have goals when it comes to like, this is where I want to be when I'm 25, you know, and like, it's not monetary goals as much of like, lifestyle goals. Like I, I you know, I, I want to be in a situation where like, I'm able to delegate work that became a big goal for this, this year, actually, honestly, it was like, I, I don't want to have to like micromanage people, I want to be able to have a great team that I can rely upon trust with all my heart to get a job done, and be able to focus on the three things that I think are very important to being CEO, which is, fundraising team management and and selling at a a high level
3: bro you know what's so cool about what you said that lifestyle goal component i feel like that's something that i i have you know in the last year found um as well from the standpoint of you know i think i was overly focused on numbers but when i started envisioning a lifestyle it made every piece into like a micro goal right it was like upgrade the wardrobe boom found an opportunity to do that, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, yep. if you want to upgrade the car, like, boom, keep your eyes out for that opportunity, upgrade the, yep. the spot you're living in, boom, make that make that move, right? But it's like, yep. when you just have such a focus on, you know, what dollar would be in the bank account, it's like, how can you possibly go towards that? Because you don't know what you're going towards.
4: Yeah. No.
5: And another thing about money is it's, we all lose, lose track of this, specifically as foreigners when you come over here. And you translate what dollars you understand what dollars actually mean versus the currency that you come from. Mm-hmm. You lose track of the fact that money is actually transactional. That's what it's meant for. Yep. You're supposed to have a purpose or a vehicle to use that money for, yep. versus just hoarding yep. it and saving it. Yep. And that's how you actually grow your money is by
4: yep. <laughs> by yep. doing that. And I
5: think yep. that's that's a very valuable thing that you. I think you guys probably. Both have learned through entrepreneurship that you actually have to spend money to mm-hmm. grow your business, right? Like mm-hmm. when you make a paycheck, it's like, okay, how do I reinvest this versus how do I save this for twenty yeah. years from now?
4: Yeah, totally, totally. And I think the big thing about money too, which started to make me think like, hmm, like maybe my life isn't contingent on money, was having. A, I did a really good brain exercise recently where I thought like, okay, let's imagine that True Fan sells for. Twenty-five million dollars. Let's say twenty-five million dollars. True fan sells for twenty-five million dollars. Um, what would I do with the money that I get from from that transaction? Yeah. And I started thinking, I'm like, a lot of the things that I claim that I would want to do with that money have nothing to do with money. Like, yeah. like they have nothing to do with money. Like yeah. moving my mother from Calgary to Toronto it's not even something that I need money for. It's just something I need to commit time towards helping my mom build her business, which she just launched about four or five months ago. Yeah, and I and so I, I started kind of taking a look at the goals that I have in life. And I started realizing a lot of them aren't kind of coming from money. It's more just coming from like being able to allocate time to it. And again, it goes back to your lifestyle and kind of the life you want to live. So I think, yeah, hundred percent money's crucial for a lot of things, but for a lot of my goals, at least, I just know that my goals aren't entirely always tied to money as much as just time and effort that I can put towards other things that I want to do.
5: Yeah. And I, and I want to touch into this because when we're talking to you, I mean, when you look at you, you can tell that you're probably a little bit, you're fairly young, but our audience <laughs> kind of needs to know that you're only 24 years old. 23. Um, 23.
4: 23. 23. 23. It's 23. a beard that kind of adds to the air, but yeah. It's <laughs> not
5: connecting, so I figured it was still yeah
4: <laughs> maturity sure thing.
5: But I think it's um, you know, I think it's very valuable with the change changing landscape, specifically in our countries, that young people get in touch with entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and what it is their goals are at a younger age. And I think in in, in our cultures or, or generally foreign cultures, education is something that's always kind of pushed on us, right? Like first get your degree and then start your business. Both of you guys kind of took a different path, which was, okay, I value education, but there are more ways to get it than through an academic institution. And these academic institutions are actually probably restricting my ability to actually have purposeful education so i'm fairly familiar with partha's story um, but i want to get into yours because what when did you drop out of school what gave you most importantly what gave you the confidence to do yeah. that and yeah. then what do you how do you think other young people at 15 16 17 should start thinking now versus how they used to have to think 15 years ago about their futures at a younger age?
4: Sure, I, I mean, I'm on a leave of absence, just because my mom might be listening to this. So <laughs> I'm, not gonna, I, yeah. I'm not gonna say dropped out, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, on my, I'm on a leave of absence from the University of Toronto. I, uh, I took time off um, in 2017. So in 2017, um, it was actually interesting because after my second year of college, I started working with a guy named Trevor Booker, played for the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, he had started this VC called J.B. Fitzgerald. And so I was I was helping him out. And through that kind of time in can New we, York... Can we
3: just stop there? Where yeah. did that come from?
4: It was a DM. It was literally a DM. What
3: What age were you?
4: I was... Oh, my God. This is like 19 years old. Yeah. 19, 19. 20, 20, 20, 20 years in old. In
3: college.
4: I was in college. wrapping was that the up first my second year.
3: you DM'd? Ever? I didn't,
4: I actually, he DM'd me. So it was interesting. Okay. Let's, I didn't let's DM get
3: him. into the backstory here. Cause I think you skipped yeah. where your story actually starts. Okay.
4: okay so, so you know, grade 12 lost to my home country, Singapore in the, in the grand championships uh, of debating and realized that, okay, you know what? I'm angry, but I want to take debating to the next level. So normally a debater will want to go to law school or they'll want to be a politician. Um, politics is still a big ambition of mine. I, I one day do, Envision myself running for office. I don't know where, I don't know at what level, but I do, I do envision that. Like public service is very important to me, but I knew it wasn't something I wanted to do at 18 years old. So yeah. I wanted to go down the path of law. And after my first year, I, I took an internship to, to go down to DC and do speech writing. Um, one, of our, one of our big clients was actually the, the White House, which we were able to, to work on, on certain national security advisors and, and write speeches for them, which was great. And then I went into second year, I declared my major, Peace, Conflict, and Justice Studies, which is basically conflict resolution, ideal for a lawyer to have that type of background, and went through second year and realized this is not for me. So it was kind of halfway through second year where I started reconnecting with my high school debate partner, Arjun. He is a genius, in my opinion. Arjun, in grade 12, had built a cure for cancer using gold nanoparticles. Uh, he went to the Sanofi BioGenius Challenge. He won that. He went to Intel ISAF. He came third. Wow. Um, wow. He was on Team Canada along with Ann MacIntyre. He cured cancer like, and he
3: came third? <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> like, who came first? I think that was actually the year that uh, there was a guy named Jack Antraca,
3: um, oh, who part that you
4: might know. Yeah, yeah, right? You know Jack. So, I think he was part of that year, and I think Jack took the gold prize. What did, what did he do? I forgot. I forgot too, but I know that Jack's part of AAT, which is why I know about Jack. It had um, to be bigger
5: than curing
3: cancer. It had
4: to be bigger <laughs> than curing cancer, but it, to be that's, fair- our, That's uh, such, a, <laughs> such a level of
3: unreal expectation for kids these days. How yeah. could you come third? You got the bronze <laughs> for curing yeah, yeah, yeah. cancer, <laughs> the number to, one to problem.
4: Fair, to be fair, you know, that was Intel Icef. Then he won the Sanofi BioGenius Challenge. He came first in that. He won Plan Candace top 20 under 20. In 2014, he was a year older than me, but he debated as well. An debate. those, I think, I think
5: like, it was. I think it was racism.
4: That's what <laughs> <I mean. laughs> I'm just saying.
3: No. <laughs> Did you yeah, I'm do not the <laughs> um, the competitions yourself, like the science competitions and stuff?
4: Only in grade seven and eight, because it was the Calgary Science School I went yeah, to. So you kind of had to, but no, it wasn't not my in high thing school either.
3: It was yeah. only when I met all all y'all like Gen Z, you know, smart entrepreneurial folks. Like, yeah. there's a small click for everybody listening of yep. gen z crew so it's like you know swish is one of them and is, mm-hmm. yep. is one of them aaron is one of them yeah um i mean we could go on but ben ben stern ben stern, of ben course, stern. Ben yeah yeah i Melco. love that yeah <laughs> so there's like there's a crew right yep. and that whole crew i feel like was involved in you know some sort of like hey i'm a genius high school kid type stuff
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. In high school, like,
3: I didn't know that world was even happening. I was so much more focused on, like, you know, trying to get a girlfriend. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I mean, we were, too, to be fair. But, yeah. 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 yeah.
5: That's that's why they were doing these things. That's like, why we were doing these things. Why,
3: why We, do you we went about it differently, bro. <laughs> yeah. Here's what clearly clearly a, a better way to go about it. That's hilarious, yeah. though. So, it, you you just did the debate at a very yeah. high level then.
4: Debate at a very high level.
3: Yeah. Cause my, my brother actually had debated too, and he was part of team Canada
4: and he won the world championship in grade 12. So I kind of followed in his path. I obviously never won, but in grade 12 actually when I competed in the grand final against Singapore, he was my coach. So it was really cool to, you know, have my brother be my coach That's and, lit. um, you know, where'd your
3: initial like clout moment happen?
4: Um, that was top 20 or 20. That was when I was 17. I think it was because of debating. I had been ranked uh, against the number two debater in the Americas. um oh, after Doing who, the Pan American Championship. Who set
3: these rankings? Like from the competition, you're saying? From
4: the, from the competition. It was the Pan American Debating oh, Championship. Oh, Mexico, bro. the US, and Canada. And so they, I, I came second individually. As a team, we came first because Canada dominates. We're, we were one of the best debating countries, I think, in the world for like three years, which is so great. There's a
5: what, movie script developing
3: right here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what makes you good at debate? Yeah.
4: I, don't, I, I think two things. One is, A, I think it's, it's you know, I, I, I'm i very reasonable when I talk. Like, I, yeah. I try to think that, especially even when I'm pitching, like, I try to be honest um, about, what I think I'm going to win on, like, like, are these issues I believe I can win on? And then if there are issues that I feel like I can't win on, because it's like an empirical fact, and I can't dispute it, I try to play it down and make it sound not that important. So I think it was like weighing up issues with one thing I was really good at and doing that in a reasonable way. And then I think number two, honestly, is just more of like, I, I read a lot, like I read a lot, I, I had a monthly <laughs> subscription to The Economist, I was very well informed for the brief three years now, maybe not as much, like I, I go with the headlines, but I, I was really doing a lot of reading in high school. And that helped a lot too, because a lot of the topics we were given, you're given the topic like 30 minutes beforehand, you're not allowed a cell phone and you have to go, what you, uh, go off what you know. Oh wow! So it's just like, you need to be able to read a lot and know a lot.
5: Let, let, let me, let me ask you how that, that debate structure actually to follow, mm-hmm. the first one being being as good as that one i'm sure that made you a very confident person oh yeah uh, and you're so, tall young yeah. you're already confident going yeah, in. yeah. Uh, but the the first question being i know in, in reading what makes you becoming such a great debater so interesting is that you have a speech impediment
2: mm-hmm. right yep. Yep. Um,
5: yep how did you overcome that because i'm sure there's no matter how, I know you were the tallest kid in third grade, I'm <laughs> sure that that did cause you some, some insecurity issues at a younger age. Yeah. How did it. you, that's a pretty drastic change, right? From, mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. should make you not confident in standing up and debating another person. No yeah. yeah. it, it triggered your success in it, probably, I think.
4: Maybe, yeah. I, I definitely, A, I didn't overcome it. Like, I still have it. And it, it comes out, honestly, I, I speak too quickly sometimes, I get too excited and, you know, I I just it starts coming out normally when I you know don't hydrate properly, drink water, you know, have yes. enough saliva in my mouth.
2: Um,
4: but at the same time, I, I you know, in grade seven, the main issue is that I you know, my my full name's for Roachish, you know, a lot of S's and R's there, and I couldn't pronounce you know either letter it became very awkward for me. Like, you know, I used to dread first day of class where you have to like, obviously no one can read my name. When the teacher got to my name, she paused and I put my hand up being like, Oh yeah, that's me. And then she'd ask me how to pronounce my name. And that was a nightmare. Um, and then I did therapy for two weeks. and I just felt like it was, it was bogus. Like I was being told to change something that people thought I like was wrong. And like, I don't know, I, I, I knew things were wrong. I just didn't understand like in a world where like people can have different hair colors and have different, like, facial appearances like why is it so weird that I sound a bit different um and why is that considered to be a flaw when like other kind of facial appearances don't you know immediately appear to be a flaw like yes they might yeah. people have preferences but I didn't I didn't entirely get that and I think I got a bit confused and I think I went into debate because the year I went into debate my brother had won the world championship and I'm like you know what fuck it like I'm gonna put myself in the most uncomfortable position possible people are gonna make fun of me potentially but you know, like, I think it's the best way to deal with this is like, hopefully over time, I get better at public speaking, I get more confident and the issue becomes less of an issue, which eventually it did. You know, my, my speech impediment was a lot worse in grade seven than it is now. And I think, you know, one of my favorite moments of feedback was in grade nine, I was, I was at a debate competition. I had just given my speech, we were waiting for feedback. And one of the judges was like, oh my God, Swish, unbelievable speech. But I cannot wait until you get your retainer taken out. And I'm like, dude. I hate I don't have a retainer, man. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, moments like that happen, but it was just cool to start to realize that over time, people didn't really care how I sounded. They cared more about what I said. And that became the big impetus for reading, becoming knowledgeable. Mm-hmm really being invested in whatever it is I do. Like even now when I pitch, like I know people like obviously respond to certain pitches better, but in my opinion, they're really looking for good content, which I know. They're looking for coherent, concise answers, which I can give. And they're looking for people to be reasonable with them and be honest with them, which I was. So I think there are a lot of factors that made me a successful debater past just like maybe not having the Morgan Freeman voice that everyone wishes they had.
5: That, and it's funny. I don't even need to ask the second part of the question because you answered the, the second part of the question was, "Do you feel like your debate skills help you when you make pitches now?" As, yeah, as for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm.
3: But you know the the thing that okay, I have this theory. Okay, I think that if you're a young entrepreneur or if you're a technical founder, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. you need to have something that gives somebody a reason to think you might be like. Um, like a Rain Man type, you know what I mean. <laughs> like right I, have, right? I have a friend I yeah. won't, I'll leave him unnamed mm-hmm. who had to take pills for um, a mental condition he had. Right, mm-hmm. and he would go off of his pills whenever he was meeting with VCs right. because he was like, they they fucking love when I'm crazy, dude. Edgy, and I, edgy, it worked. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, my take is that your Lisp makes you come across smarter because mm-hmm. you also speak fast with it and confidently with it. And right. it like disarms somebody. Mm-hmm. And so you, I think it's actually a significant, I think it's like, you know, the shield with the, with the like scuff on it, right? It's like a yeah. significant advantage for relatability, I think.
4: I, and that's the great, you know, and I think it's, you know, speaking that's um, with entrepreneurship, I think with public speaking, like I still do it, right? I still speak um, yeah. under a bureau now. My biggest claim to fame, if you will, when it comes to speaking is I want to be relatable. Yeah. I want well, to be relatable.
3: You're a genuinely kind, relatable person as right? well, and that makes yeah. it easy. For yeah, you. but yeah,
5: Until you start a debate with him,
3: yeah, I know,
4: right? <laughs> oh yeah, dude, I'm very pretentious when I debate. You don't want to get into that, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna
3: have to. We'll we'll get into a little bit of a debate topic a little later yeah. too. When we get to the top yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, t-
2: yeah. T- t-
5: So t- so take us into into dropping out of college. Yep. And yeah. the hypothesis of, of true Fan, mm-hmm. and, and how you turned whatever your yep. concept or your idea in your head was into reality as a
4: business. Totally. So so I left off with Arjun in second year, you know, I reconnected with Arjun and we thought, why don't we build a wearables product, right? So that was our first attempt. Like, why don't we build something that allows athletes to know whether or not they're close to an injury or not? It's actually really cool that, you know, Partha and I eventually connected because Arjun had done a lot of work in the hardware space and, and that was his kind of big thing is that he was working not only now on cancer research, he moved past it. He was trying to look at hardware that he potentially already, could he help with injury he prevention. Nice he already right. solved it. He's like, you know, take yeah, off let's like solve the off. Let
5: me solve the small. Exactly.
4: <laughs> and I obviously, you know, had a good network because I was interviewing a lot of people in my first and second year for LinkedIn. I was part of their campus editor program. I was interviewing one person a month and tried to find like successful people that were high net worth, and I knew that if we worked together, I easily could help them with fundraising. So we worked together, and that's actually how I started meeting people like Gary V. For example, like I sat down with Gary Vaynerchuk. The video's still up. It's Gary Vaynerchuk meets with a young fan, um, and it's from like three, four, or five years ago, four years ago maybe, or whatever. And um, Trevor actually saw that video. So Trevor saw that oh, wow. video, and he reached out to me over DMs. And I actually didn't respond to him initially cause he was under my message request. And this was like three years ago. So I didn't even know that thing existed. And then his business partner, Jonah reached out to me too. And I didn't reach out, I didn't reach back. And then eventually like I think two weeks later, I, I looked at the DMs and I'm like, holy shit, is this like a scam or something? Like what is happening? Um, replied to Trevor, he came down to play the Raptors a few months later, I met him and he was like, I really like your your kind of entrepreneurial drive. I didn't even know what that meant at the time, but I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Um, and he's like, "I want you to come work for me. Like, I'd love you know. I'm starting this VC it's called JB Yo, it's girls. Shout out to Trevor right. Booker. What?
5: Recognize literally. Recognize literally.
3: A, what a real recognized real. Literally, line. yeah. <laughs> that so, is impressive. I got to work with shout it. Shout
5: out yeah. to Gary V too. For shout out yeah, to Gary. Well, obviously, platform. you know,
4: yeah. And, and it's yeah, you know, Gary. It's full circle because actually, Gary's now a client of ours. So it's oh, kind of like dope. a very cool full circle there, and you know, being able to get his advice is incredible, but. I, I think that the you know, yeah the biggest thing with Trevor is he saw something worked with him. I did a deal with DC United for him, uh, brought Ben Ben's company Nobo, in, and they got investment from from Trevor. Um, and then past that, I, I became roommates with a guy named Elliot, and Elliot kind of changed my life. And and I think he was also kind of the the second Trevor for me, or like maybe even like it was like Trevor Gary and then him in terms of who changed my life away from law. Because Elliot had started his big Instagram account at Dunk and he had no business mindset. Like he was a very creative guy. He knew how to grow accounts, but he didn't know how to do payroll. Yeah. He didn't know how to hire people. He didn't know how to work with brands too well. He didn't know how to put together a case studies deck or pitch. He didn't know how to fundraise. So I decided to come in and help him with all of that. We, you know, during that time of working with him for about seven months, living in New York with him, you know, we were able to go from about I think five accounts to about 21 accounts in total with 11 million followers overall on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. We worked with Warner Music, Gatorade, 2K. And in the process of doing all of that, we started really getting an inside look into influencer marketing and what's wrong with brands when they work with influencers, whether oh. they weren't paying attention. Yeah, go ahead.
3: Right there. How did, how yeah. did you get yourself those clients at what, 20 are we?
4: we're now we're 21 yeah now okay. we're 20 no 20 he's okay. legal no this is 2017 no i'm at 20 i'm 23 yeah I'm, that was 20. I'm, you lying your,
5: were you lying about your age
4: man come on at the end of the day singapore <laughs> you know we we don't really know no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, tw- 20 years old 20 years old uh working on dunk and i think the biggest thing for us is because a lot of these big brands were already following our pages so like oh. 2K, for example, already followed Dunk and we had about 2.2 DM million them. followers. So we DM them and then we got yeah. a contact and went from there.
3: So, so you, you did everything yeah. just by understanding how to play the game. You understood the value of what you were building. Yeah. And like what what taught you to understand how important building a community was mm-hmm. like before influencer marketing really started to become, you know, understood to any extent, right? And you really yeah. like, community centric marketing, it was a very new thing at that That time too. Very new.
5: That a social network is actually a social network and a network, right? Yep.
3: So like what, what, where does that come from for you? Like the ability to identify that?
4: It it came from actually not just Dunk, it came from me growing my LinkedIn community simultaneously. So it was cool because when I moved to New York, I had a lot of friends that were YouTubers. So like one of my friends is Sam Sheffer, and he works out of the same studio as Casey Neistat and he'd throw a meetup every month to meet some of his YouTube subscribers. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, okay, you got know, like, you know, 30, 40 people coming out. Awesome event, great people. But man, I, at that time, maybe I had 20,000 followers on LinkedIn. I'm like, I should do this on LinkedIn. So I decided to put up a meetup. Washington square park was the first one I hosted. Oh, nice. um, and we had about seven people come out. It started raining and we went to a Starbucks and, continue the conversation there. And I decided to do this type of meetup everywhere I went. So now I think I've hosted over 40 meetups and, you know, Mumbai, Singapore, London, in Germany, in Calgary, in Winnipeg, in New York, in LA, I've hosted meetups all across. Um, And it was really cool to be able to have that community centric mindset while building LinkedIn, by, by building my LinkedIn following, and then taking those principles into Dunk in terms of how to build an engaged following Where we can still obviously profit and and we can make money off brand deals but we're finding the right partnerships and not just trying to do brand deals for the sake of doing brand deals
5: and i want to pause you right there because i think it underlines an important point i actually talked about this on social media this week about i think a lot of people misunderstand social media in the sense (laughs) that they only focus on the digital aspect of it right can I DM someone? Can I meet someone digitally and start a conversation? I think what's really cool and powerful about what you did was you took those digital connections and made them real world connections and built real relationships. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of that for young people who are trying to build? Mm -hmm. Because I I meet a lot of young people whose social skills are only on social media. They can't have a real conversation yeah, real person. Yep. It's the importance of having both of those and that balance still in a ever changing yep. digital world.
4: Well, it really is. I mean, aid is a practical benefit, and the practical benefit is the way algorithms on social media are built right now is that they don't rely on likes as much as comments. So for LinkedIn, for Instagram, the way that you get more views on your post or end up in the discover feed or end up, you know, doing really well with a LinkedIn post and getting blasted on multiple people's pages is mainly through comments because every platform has recognized that it's really easy to leave a like, but if you're leaving a comment, it means you actively seek that content out and you're engaging with it on a higher level. Okay. So the biggest thing to do then is think about how do I drive comments? How do I make sure that people who view my content feel an urge to comment? And sure you might have those one-off posts where you have a kick-ass call to action. You have a post that really just tugs at the heartstrings and that's going to work. But for most of your posts, I don't think that's going to be the case. For most of your posts, you need to have a community that just really fucks with you as a person and that no matter what you share, they love you as a person, which is why they're gonna go in and comment because they wanna have that conversation with you. And that's where you have three ways to then connect with them. You can A, just reply to them, and that's underrated, especially on LinkedIn. Like Even today, like I have over 130,000 followers on LinkedIn now, and I think the reason I have such a big community is because I reply to every single comment I get I don't care if it takes me until 3 a.m. to get through my comment section. Smart. I will make sure that every single person in a reasonable time frame, like within a week of that post being up, I will try to get back to that person. And I'm not just going to be like, thank you. Or I'm not going to yeah. be like, you know, the fucking two hands emojis. Like I'm actually going to try to respond. No if not. you left me a valid comment, I'm going to try to respond with a yeah, valid, smart. appropriate response. The second thing, which I did early on, I don't do it as much anymore, is getting on a five minute call with people that comment on your post. So don't only just reply to them, say, hey, you want to get on a quick chat? Really appreciate you reaching out and commenting. And doing those five-minute calls is great because people actually get a really quick idea of who you are. They get to quickly talk to you. And then the next time they see your post, now they're like, oh, I I spoke to Swish. Yeah, I like him. I know exactly where he comes from. He knows a bit about me. And you form a deeper connection than just only relying on comments. And then the third and final thing are meetups, right? And just actually physically being able to see people. And obviously right now, virtual events are in because of COVID. Throw a virtual event, you know, and two people show up. It's totally fine. Like my favorite example of growth is Mr. Beast. You know, you take a look at Mr. Beast. It's like he's so community oriented and he didn't give a shit about how many followers he had initially. PewDiePie didn't care about how many followers he had Gary initially. V Gary Vee, like all these people, you can go back and find the piece of the content where they were like, thank you for 100 followers because they genuinely meant it. So that that's just important to be able to kind of go into that mindset from day one.
5: You just gave us a great clip that I think is going to be valuable for a lot of people. Uh, when yeah, we put it out.
4: Right. Yeah, I mean,
3: dude, so that's, that's like <laughs> yes, that's crazy. Finally. That's the recipe, but yeah. it's it's also I think it it gives you a lot more respect for the people who are actually building these platforms and communities day to day. Right? It's not. Yeah. You know, not it's either. not just people posting, you know, booty pictures on Instagram. Like, yeah. yep. There's there's a lot of work that goes in. I think kudos to you on how much time you actually invest in making sure this community around you is mm-hmm. is you know feeling valued.
5: Yep. And Seth and Seth Godin has you know his thousand customer or thousand loyal fans or loyal subscriber yep. thing, and I think that that still is valuable and important yep. because. Yep. you can have a million followers if they're not engaged with you. And genuinely, it doesn't yep. matter how many followers you have.
4: Yeah. I don't even think you need a thousand. I think personally speaking on LinkedIn, I think you only need 15 people to really care about you. And if you got 15 comments per post, I guarantee you, are hitting like 5,000 plus views per post already. That's just the way the wow. algorithm works. It's the way LinkedIn is because LinkedIn has over 80 million people that post, uh, sorry, not that post, sorry, 80 million active users um, in North America and only about 10% of LinkedIn users in North America actually post. So there's a lot of white space there. And so in a world where
5: white space, I'm going to, right.
4: You know, so it's not saturated. It's not like YouTube or Instagram where, you know, there's still a white space in certain niches, but for the most part, like people have figured out how to post on those platforms. And it's a, it's a thing you do on those platforms, but on LinkedIn, a lot of people, a don't even know you can post and B it's like, they still find it awkward.
5: Yeah, it's funny because Partha and I recently uh, got on got on TikTok, and yeah. part of the reason we got on TikTok is because we've been reading that it's genuinely an easier platform to gain followers and more engaging. People are more likely to engage. It doesn't have yep. much of that kind of. I'm too cool to have more uh, more follow to follow more people than than yeah. followers. Like that's <laughs> not as apparent there and it seems like the same is true for linkedin
4: yeah no 100 percent. and you know obviously on linkedin it's just such a different kind of field like people a like i you know this year for example like i got put onto this top voices list for linkedin and i was looking at the other people that were on it and like most of them had like 500 1,500 3,000 followers but like that's the thing you know like it's not really about followers on LinkedIn. It's more just about like the content you're sharing, you know, is it actually valuable to the community, the professional yes. community? And again, like eighty percent of our lives are made up of work. We what need to have an mean? outlet to talk about it. So what
3: That's do you think about these like you know, the 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 posts that you see go viral and yeah, just go, double like,
4: space, kind of yeah, exaggerated, like, my dog exactly. took a shit type ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um it's fine. You know, like clickbait is a thing on YouTube, right? Like every platform has kind of, it's, you know, it's its weird, uh, algorithm friendly baity stuff. But I don't know. I, for me, like, it's not kind of the the thing I like to do. Like I like to switch things up, you know, like I I used to kind of be really a fan of call to actions. And then after that I started to become a fan of just trying new types of content out. So I was one of the early people on live streams. I did that once a week. Um, I I wrote a lot of, obviously, publications in terms of articles on LinkedIn, interviewing people. Um, I I did a hashtag campaign on LinkedIn once where I I called it Let's Get Honest, got together with four other um, quote influencers. I hate that word, but just people that were like posting actively on LinkedIn, had built up a community. And and we put out this thing like, we want you to be vulnerable in the workplace. Here we go. We're going to kick it off. And I'm going to nominate two people. They're going to put a video. They're going to nominate two people. And The total campaign in total got about 26 million views and LinkedIn actually featured it as like a part of its column, like its side tab to be able to see all the posts of people that were mentioning the hashtag, let's get on it. So for me, like, I want to continue to find ways to always stand out and be different, but like, just have fun, you know, like at the end of the day, if I'm not having fun posting, like. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. Like I don't post every day. I only post when I really like feel a sense of like, okay, I need to get this across or you know what? I'm feeling like I have a really great idea and I think this could be something fun to do on LinkedIn.
5: Well, in in, in listening to you for the last 10 or so minutes, it's clear that you're a very knowledgeable in this space and then two, very mindful and consistent in, in, in continuing to understand it. Mm -hmm. And what it does for me is it makes me understand why, your business is what it is, right? right? So there's a lot of connectivity between what you talked about in the last 10 minutes and what true fan actually does. So I think mm-hmm. it's a good segue now yep. for you to tell us in the audience about what true fan is. Yep. And then also we'll get into some of your cool clients and cool things that you've done.
4: Yeah, sure. No, I true fan. We celebrated our third birthday uh, two days ago. Um, so it started December 7th, 2017 was when I kind of jotted down the early idea on a piece of paper and the early iteration of TrueFan was let's build a simple platform where any brand any influencer could find their top fans on social media specifically on instagram and twitter and the first iteration was let's just show you your top 100 fans
0: okay. uh, we had
4: built an algorithm to define what a fan actually meant it meant engagement specifically around comments and then we also allowed you to find influential fans so people that not only engage with your content but were also influential um, that was the early iteration of TrueFan, about kind of let's say uh did that for about a year and a half and then around kind of november of 2019 we had an opportunity to acquire a company called social rank and the cool thing is initially we were only looking at okay we will help you find your top fans but a lot of our customers were like what about my competitors top fans what about an influencer i'm working with i want to make sure if they have a like a real following i want to make sure they're legit. So what Social Rank had done is built a database of a crazy amount of profiles and a crazy amount of audience reports that would allow Nike to look at Adidas, would allow Sprite to look at Pepsi, would allow a LeBron to look at KD. You know, you're able to look at your competitor, understand their audience, and then really go granular. So you could find all the people that followed LeBron James that were based in Toronto, verified between 50,000 and 150,000 followers that loved milk because they posted about milk. Um, that's how granular, how specific you can get. And so we acquired this platform, integrated it with our fan engagement technology. So we built fan profiles for every single profile on the system. So now we have over 2.4 billion unique social profiles on the system, over 10 million audience reports. Um, a lot of our clients, again, big name brands like Netflix, the NBA, the NFL, Procter and Gamble, Samsung, a lot of small businesses started using the platform too, because we rolled affordable pricing out past April. So during COVID we wanted to help small businesses out throughout a cheapest plan. We've actually made that even more affordable. So before it was $24.99, now it's about $10 a month at our most affordable plan. Um, And then we then had the opportunity to acquire another platform about a month ago called Player. And kind of our big approach into 2021 is gonna be around first party data. So for the last kind of three years, we've dealt with third party data from Instagram and Twitter. But in my opinion, the marketing industry is moving towards first party data especially with privacy concerns, brands are going to need to learn how to effectively generate high quality customer data. And that's where we want to play going forward.
3: Yeah, I mean, that was, that was lit, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's Thank why you, you. left us <laughs> <you left laughs> <the, you
5: left laughs> speechless. Yeah, yeah, didn't, you, yeah, answered, yeah. you answered all of our follow-up questions. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. yeah. Who are your customers? Right, like, what are you doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. You've definitely pitched your ass off, bro. Oh, this month, man, like it's just been again and again and again and again. So yeah, no, I appreciate that. (laughs)
3: That's wild. That's wild. So, you know, now let's get into some of the fun stuff a little Mm -hmm. bit. Okay. Um, Let's get into a little bit of the, like, I guess, like the sport side of things, Mm -hmm. right? So like, Mm -hmm. you have gone, you know, I think a unique path for somebody building a company in the tech space, I know you're marketing tech, but still um, from the standpoint of how you've built out your community and network of friends and peers. And um, I I think that's one thing, you know, we all share in common in this group. And I think it's something I really appreciate about you is like your energy is super, you know, you pull some really like high quality people around you, right? Mm -hmm. Was that always a thing for you? Did you have to work for that? Like, did you, like, I'll tell you personally, for me, like I've had I feel like a significant amount of like me in my own way moments in my mm-hmm. life where I'm just mm-hmm. like having to overcome like mental blocks, to like allow yep. myself to like really, you know, do what I do. Yep. And that took a long time for me to get there. Right. Um it feels like you got there at a much earlier age, even hearing you say, you know, later in my life at sixteen, you know what I mean? Right. Right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Did you did you he's, feel he's, he's any sort to
3: of like, over here? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, like, did you did you feel that, dude? Like, did you kind of did you ever struggle with like, you know, letting yourself shine like that? Mm-hmm.
4: Not really. Like, I think I was fairly confident to just share what I was doing and kind of put out a very clear energy in the world. Um, I, I was a social butterfly in high school. So I jumped around a lot. Um, you know, I was, I was my grade, grade 12 class president because I just, you know, was friends with everyone. And, and I realized that in university, though, that I wanted to change that. I wanted to not be friends with everyone. I wanted to be really good friends with a few people because in high school, I realized that I couldn't have, I couldn't have pointed at someone who I felt like would have picked up a phone call at 3 a.m. Obviously Mm -hmm. it's high school. Like I hope they're not fucking waking up at 3 a.m. to pick up a phone call, but you know what I mean? Like in life, I feel like you need to have that 3 a.m. Buddy, that person that picks up a phone and helps you out and kind of gives you unconditional love. And so for me, that became the big focus for college. It's like, let's restart. Obviously the cricket network, the debate network, the high school network, Fantastic, love those people. But I have a fresh start now to kind of figure out my friend group and make sure that my friend group, regardless of what they're interested in, genuinely appreciates me and is supportive of me and loves me. That's what I, what I did. You know, two of my best friends right now, Quinn and Sakshi. Like Quinn's actually an entrepreneur now. He just started his business a few months ago, and he's raising money. I think he's closing around now, which I'm really excited about. But um, you know, both of them. Unconditional love, best friends type situation. And that gave me then the confidence to go and do whatever I wanted because I felt like, you know, even if I blow the opportunity to be friends with someone or if I turn someone off, like at least I have my kind of, you know, two friends at home, my brother, my mom, and that's all I really need. Yeah. So that was a big kind of thing. But I, I, I got to admit, man, like I'm, I'm actually a pretty shy person. Like in big crowds, like if I'm not speaking on stage and like I'm just like floating around, like, I'm not a very, like, flamboyant person. Like, I'm not, yeah. like, trying to be the spotlight or center of attention. Um, when I party, I love to be the life of the party. Like, I love to be the guy, like, first drunk, like, playing the games well, and, like, hey, being where the was, DJ. Where was
3: this wish whenever I tried it? to get you to hang out in St. Louis? <laughs> that was just talk. That would work. That would work. I mean, like, I don't how, think it was a good thing. How situation. is that work? At nighttime, is that work? <laughs>
5: I don't. I think and I was going through, to wake up early, man. He's, I was go,
4: going through I, his pitches I, in his yeah. head. <laughs> I would. I, I'm he's almost a great certain here. So i almost in, for, in for St. You. Louis, man. I think I was going through girl issues. I I, I think that was around the time where I, I had to go home and like figure things out and and talk to someone uh, that was really close to me at the time. That I think was the reason why. I, but I, I you know I could be wrong. Like maybe I was tired and just like <laughs> being a stupid sport as well, but. I, I like to, I like to party. I like to have fun, but generally speaking, like if it's just like, you know, a big crowd or a group of people, or if I went back to a college environment, like I'm, I'm not that like, you know, out there, you know,
2: I, I uh, like dude, to You're very,
5: very intentional now.
3: Yeah. Very I'm absolutely man. dying for you and Onik yeah. to come visit me in LA. I can't wait. I literally cannot wait. Like once COVID man, yeah, it just as like soon as this better. Ends.
4: I I I want to go to the U.S. I want to go to New York. I want to go to Chicago. I want to go to L.A. I just want to like get out of here and just you know be a 23 year old again. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. So so, so part of
5: part of what you get your thrill in probably is in your work. Yeah, Um, a
4: lot. that's all I really do, right? It it, it helps. It helps that you
5: get to through your work, interact and actually help build a Mm -hmm. lot of cool pop culture things that the rest mm-hmm. of society and most 23 year olds actually care about You're help move you're helping to move the needle so tell us about some of the cooler projects i, I saw you've worked with kevin hart yeah you've worked with the nba like mm-hmm. tell us about these projects and like
3: oh don't leave cool- out don't leave out the raptors one oh yeah. man yeah, yeah. I, we've done some pretty interesting
4: work like you know, growing up, I was a big Kobe Bryant fan, which meant I was a big Lakers fan. And so having someone like Kyle Kuzma come on as an investor was like a pinch me moment, you know, being able to meet him in I LA. Really
3: wish, you know who I got really like, oh I've, I've, I've like become very close with recently. Bar.
4: <laughs> oh, uh, Bar? Malik. Oh, the guy from um Barcode. Uh, and he has a friend Mujahid. Mujahid, Mujahid. I, I, I remember I was he's giving been, a pitch just M- to Mubarak Malik. Mubarak. Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Bar, yeah. Bar, yeah, yeah. He's, I he's training Kuz now.
4: And I got connected to through Ben. I don't know if you know Ben, like Kuz's manager. I know him, but I haven't met him in person. Got yeah. it. Yeah. No, but good, good people, great team. Um, so that was a pinch me moment. Really, like, you know, what the hell am I doing? Like, this is weird. Like, grew up fantasizing about this team Did and you now go, brought someone on.
3: Like, have you been able to go to any Lakers stuff?
4: I went to a game, like this was maybe a year and a half ago when we brought Kuz on and uh I gotta do a. we had like a paintball session with Kuz That's and Cantavius Caldwell Pope was there. How did
3: how did um, that one get arranged? Did did you just get a text saying paintball tomorrow? Yeah, because the guy who introduced me to Kuz is actually an
4: investor in us too. He went to the University of Utah with Kuz. Um and so, you know, Austin, my friend, he he was like, Yo, we're gonna go paintball and you wanna come? I'm like Like, I'm a more of a laser tag guy myself, but sure, whatever. Um, And so I ended up showing up. It hurts, dude. It hurts, dude. But it also, like, it didn't help that we were going up against, like, you know, six, seven
3: really athletes. fit athletes yeah. that yeah. Just, yeah. Like, yeah. They're they're on the, on the planet dude literally
4: targets though yeah so i i mean they're bigger targets but to be fair it's like, like i also NBA shoot them player, it doesn't hurt them it hurts 20. me <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah yeah. they're so, slim dude they are slim, man so that was cool obviously kevin hart campaign that was really neat to be able to do that and um to be able to also work with the raptors the raptors is probably the coolest campaign we worked on because it was like i was in toronto companies based in toronto we had just made the finals. We had this like an incredible energy in the city. And, and then to was be the able... um,
3: Drake as the like main yeah. ambassador, year, right.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Main ambassador. And this was like the 20, so what uh, was it? yeah, no it was 20, 2018 grand finals. We used our algorithm to find two fans. Um, oh, wow. Well, actually one, technically she had a, she had a kid, but um, she was a mom who was going to mortgage her house in order to be able to buy her son a, uh, game one NBA finals ticket. Cause it was, uh, it was her son Lincoln's 10th birthday on the day of game one. So we DM them Raptors gave us these tickets. Uh, we told them like, Hey, you know, you're going to the game, but we'd love to, by the way, just shoot some content get to know like, who are you as a Raptors fan interviewed her, documented her process to the game. She took some videos at the game and then put together a video, shared it. The Raptors shared it as well. And, um, I and mean, this is a really cool, like feel good moment, you know, like I feel yeah. like those feel good moments, like it's it's exactly what you want to put out in the world. And it was really good from like a company branding perspective too, to be associated to that project.
3: Yeah. Wow. You're just gonna mortgage your house, bro.
4: Mortgage your house. I don't know if she, it was real or not, but the fact that our, you know, platform picked that tweet up. I thought it yeah. was just
3: really cool to be able to just
4: see that and then be like, okay, this is probably our fan. Yeah. <laughs> like probably the person we're going to pick. But yeah. she's a really passionate fan. Like she's a really really passionate That's so fan. dope, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
5: Do good, do good and 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 build your business at the same time. I mean, how can How, how can, can you, you turn that
4: down?
3: Yeah. 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 How big of a deal is is like impact to you? Do you think about that? a lot a lot i I actually feel helpless a lot
4: you know because i you know like things like black lives matter uh or climate change or or you know even if you take a look at like education obviously is very close to home COVID, bro or covid right like yeah i feel out of the loop on all of this and so like obviously i can spread the word via instagram stories and bring awareness to issues and i can donate money but i think i've been constantly trying to think like what more can i do what more can i do and I, i don't like Every time I think of something, I always want to get away from the idea of like, okay, but you're already busy. Because, like, I I don't want to be one of those guys that like makes a fortune and then becomes philanthropic. Like, I'd rather have like seeds of philanthropy throughout and like like
3: lifestyle, right?
4: Exactly. Because money is, again, a unit of of change. And obviously, the more money you have, potentially the more change you can, can bring about in a shorter period of time. But if you want to bring true,
3: sustainable, long term change, I, I you got to be able to do it from day that, but one. The money and change thing is really getting to me. Yeah, yeah. There. Yeah, yeah. You said it so yeah. many times. You said money makes yeah. change. Change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. you were just like, ah, good one, you're good beoby. one. <laughs> yeah, 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 He's gonna yeah,
5: start a new career as a rapper if you're not careful. You
3: know, I was just
4: saying. <laughs> I actually have recorded a song once, and I'm never. I'm not sharing the name of it. It was the real producer that produced it in Calgary um was it 40
3: did you get 40
4: it, it was off 40 it was actually a pretty good he's uh, he a pretty good soundcloud could now, you but,
3: imagine if it was 40 yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've done one track who'd you do it with 40? 40 what? yeah like,
4: <laughs> i was actually telling people i recently got connected to rick ross and oh, that's uh no he, he called uh, he called You're me a really smart guy call yeah, very smart guy called me yeah. this morning and um chatted briefly and yeah, just like very weirdly inquisitive about tech and like about kind of future uh like what the future is going to look like within marketing and obviously he knows a lot about youtube because he's worked with a few youtubers as well so yeah just like was blown away like the amount yeah. of like people that are just like you looking with like-
5: a couple custom uh- trademark ad libs no
4: not not really like he definitely had a deep voice which i was happy about I, it would have been kind of scary if he had like a chipmunk <laughs> voice i feel i would have felt a little betrayed after listening to music for so long but i i thought initially that we would have talked about like potentially getting me on a track or something but that that just didn't happen so <laughs> i didn't know you it you is.
3: pick it up you're just if, if you're actually expecting that you know it's like I think I was,
4: you know, I I was thinking like a good Christmas album, like Carol's and Karen's. That's what I was thinking. Carol's and Karen's (laughs) would be good. I thought that'd be a good album name. But do
3: you you have, um, you know, the desire in your life? Like, I found this too, where you can kind of navigate the circles and like really spend time in communities you you have a tremendous passion for, like, you Mm -hmm. know, hanging out with rappers, talking like athletes, like, that's fun. Yeah. It's super fun, right? Especially when you're a fan of both, like all the culture around it. And so just like participating in the culture scape, do you have like uh, certain artists or like um, athletes Mm -hmm. that are really significant role models to you that you eventually want to build some sort of business relationship or
4: something like that with? I've thought about this actually very recently because of fundraising and I wrote down like a kind of goal sheet. Um, The athletes are not even athletes, like generally speaking, the people that I would love to meet and work with Uh, Number one is Taika Waititi. I don't know if you guys know Taika Waititi. He's a director from New Zealand. He directed Thor Ragnarok. uh, And he also directed Jojo Rabbit. And he's incredibly creative.
3: What do you like about him?
4: So creative. Like one of the most creative directors. I I used to watch a lot of the behind the scenes of like him explaining scenes, how he came up with it. He also like has done dubbing for like Korg, like, you know, like the New Zealand, like, rocks guy in Thor like he does the dubbing for that oh, wow. um so just like a really charismatic creative guy
3: are you in um, the film like to that degree Like lot. would you produce a film
4: I would produce I would love to even go to film school I think past being wow. you know if I ever went back to school I'd definitely go to film school I would love to learn how to direct a movie
3: so you're um, like you're a true creator dude you're not I just would love like, to yeah I, it I mean it seems like you're a creator who does business you know what i mean
4: yeah yeah i mean like i, I i'm very creative like I, I i genuinely have the most fun whether it's like you know last year we were working with k-swiss on designing a shoot that was like yeah. the best kind of fucking two weeks of my life um or whether it's like you know the raptors film like i legitimately directed that thing like oh, from lit. storyboarded it wrote it out like what is every scene going to look like where are we going to shoot like Stuff like that, man. Like, there's just kind of this doesn't even feel like work, yeah. so I, I feel like that's definitely kind of a big passion. I there. think there's this,
5: there's something special about creating. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the business aspect of creating businesses, is one thing, but truly creating projects or creating art that yep. you take from concept to execution when that execution yep. actually happens. Yeah, final product, there's nothing more fulfilling than that. Yep, um, it's not. Yep. Much- you know, money can't replace, replace that feeling. You guys, are,
3: you guys are going to make me have to try this. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I like, I like creating art, but I've I never like, I have no passion for the amount of time the process takes to make good art. Yeah, You fair. know what I mean? So That's I've never fair, yeah. gone down that path, but yeah, after what V just said, I mm-hmm. feel like I should actually Give it a shot and see what happens.
5: I Give mean, it a shot. Create, yeah. Man, uh, you created a pet nibble sock. I think you're pretty creative.
3: No, right? Dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's still, I know. I don't feel, <laughs> yeah, okay, products are fine, but I don't feel like, I know. I wish I felt like that for film. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so right. cool to be like that for film. Switch.
4: Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, to be fair, part like, I feel like if you were even directing a marketing video for last show, you'd be very not, invested. I do and,
3: not do no? that. No, that's you, not. You don't what want I'm to do that? that. No, fair enough. Not not at all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you let me do like I have certain things that I'm like, I know exactly like what I'm going for, right? Outcome wise. But like for me, it's so much more about like what I'm good at is like I know who the great director is who has who can create it to look how I want it to look. Right. And then I know like the product person that can like make the thing like come out how so like I'm more better at getting those people who have the skill to like create the thing. Yep. Then yep. I am at creating it myself. I've just yep. never been a very hands-on guy.
5: Well, I think I think the thing that 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 I like the most in in with you, Partha, is you're very self aware. Mm-hmm. Um in mm-hmm. the sense that you know what where your skills lie.
3: Of my tremendous shortcomings. I am very, <laughs> <laughs> <And> where <laughs> very need, aware where yeah.
5: you need where you need help. I have lived
3: yeah. this life, yeah.
5: Yeah, (laughs) that's that's probably the reason why you've advanced at the rate that you have, because I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people early on in their entrepreneurial careers and still I still suffer from this. And you and I have this conversation all the time where it's like, I don't know how to defer to other people. You know, Mm -hmm. I I try to do everything myself. And I think that that's an important skill that both of you guys have with having employees and and, Mm -hmm. and managing people is it's important
3: would you delegate your social media stuff? Do you do that? Your personal yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah.
4: Oh, yeah. no, no not, not my personal. Uh, so on the personal side, like other than content creation, if I need like a graphic made or a meme made or like a video edited, like I'll, I'll definitely outsource that. But posting wise, like commenting back and kind of, you know, going and actually making captions, I do that on my own. So that's, and then, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's true really interesting out, though,
3: yeah. about your personality. We're polar yeah. opposites in that manner. Like I right. would more rather, I would like rather take on you know, technical work or some sort mm. of computer work and yep. actually have to interact, which is interesting.
4: I, I like words, right? Like kind of going mm. back to even the speech writing internship back in first year, like I, I just like words and I like being able to bring meaning to words. So like if, if I'm able to kind of evoke an emotion among people, which is what I, I try to do with every post, whether it's on LinkedIn or Instagram, I like to get you to feel something. Um, my, my hope is that I'm able to do that through my word choice. And I, 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 I don't like other people writing my words for me.
3: Do you have, have you done a book? Are you going to do a book?
4: I, I have done a book uh, yeah. and it, it was supposed to come up this year. It's called A Young Entrepreneur. Kogan Page was uh, publishing it out of the UK. Um, I actually wrote the book with my friend Quinn um, nice. and we had a good kind of two year period of writing it. And then obviously COVID hit. So we'll hopefully get it out next year. The whole thing's done. There's actually a pre-order link on Amazon that you can find. Don't pre-order it right now. What's just you know, wait it off. But yeah, it's, a, it's about how to start a business while you're in school. And then I also talk a little bit about like what entrepreneurship truly means, like what sorts of personality traits you want to look for. Um, what does the lifestyle actually look like? I talk a little bit about networking as well, the importance of building a personal brand. So it's not just talking about business and going through like the A to Zs yeah. of business. It's going through more of like, if you're a student, 18 to 24, here's what you need to know about the entrepreneurial path. Like a lot of people don't know, you start a business. You need to be thinking that you're going to be locked into it for the next 10, 15, 20 years, ma- like minimum. So, so just make sure that, like, if you pick a project and you're putting your eggs into it, you know that you're locked in, and this is the obsession that you have over a problem that you cannot wait to until it gets solved.
5: And I, and, I, and I think that provides a good segue. I don't want you to give away everything here, but I think. Mm-hmm there are a lot of young people out out here young creatives we were just talking about creatives Mm -hmm. who are brilliant whether they're musicians whether they're athletes whether they're movie producers but they don't know how to build an audience and how to grow a following Mm -hmm. do you have like superficially obviously yeah some some tips for for people out here who are who are in that space trying to build a brand and a following on these social networks Mm -hmm. start
4: yeah i think three things one is pick one pick one platform don't try to be everywhere initially um pick a platform that suits your personality your strengths the best for me it was linkedin again because words right like you know words are my thing so I, i didn't want to go down instagram because i'm not the best photographer and i don't know if i had like a repertoire of great photos of myself that i could share with motivational quotes because i didn't feel like i had really done much um so i would chose LinkedIn, started writing articles, interviewing people because words were my thing. So that's number one, is pick a platform that plays to your strength. Number two is really focus on the content that you're putting out. Like make sure that whether it's, you know, you're putting out discussion questions, informative content, inspirational content, personal anecdotes, things that have happened in your life, that you're very deliberate about making sure that in the early days, you're not only sharing content, but you're sharing it consistently. Like people don't wanna follow people that are like surfacing every four or five fucking months. Like they wanna follow people that are gonna be there every week, sharing like a dose of energy, dose of advice, dose of knowledge into their life that they can continuously follow. And then the third and final thing is if you wanna grow a community, be part of the community. So whatever niche you're trying to be a part of, whether it's fitness or yoga or vegan food, whatever it is, find the people that are moving the conversation in that category, whether it's in your city, country, wherever you are, and be a part of their conversation. Be a part of their comment feed. Reply to the people that are commenting to their posts. Get on the five-minute phone calls with people that are engaged in that category so they start cross-pollinating and coming to your content as well.
3: That's, I mean, that's a really, really great point. That's something I learned recently about, mm-hmm. you know, just like, I think it was through Stadia when we met all these people, right? Yes. Yeah. The power of being a part of the community of the industry you're trying to impact. Yeah. yeah. That's Yeah.
5: That's sage 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 advice. I know um definitely appreciate all of your time here. So let's 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 get to some fun stuff here because you get to interact with a lot of these industries in real life. So let's 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 dig deeper um, mm-hmm. a bit and and talk about not just your influences and inspirations but who's had the most impact on you? You mentioned Kobe already. So <laughs> the, the first thing would be your, your top five athletes.
4: Mm, top five athletes uh, of all time, of all time, of all time. Yeah. Number one, I think would have to be Kobe. Um, and maybe not just because of skill, but just like generally the impact that he had on my life. Like yeah. I, I, I actually spoke at his, it's is such a sad story given the fact that he's gone, but like you know, three years ago or something, like I was speaking at a school called Sage Hill in California, and his uh, his daughter Natalia went there, and she, you know she was in the audience. I met she like go and find her, like I was not creepy or anything, but like I knew she was in the audience. I was told by the principal that Kobe's daughter goes here, and I'm like, oh fuck. Um, and then after after the talk, I you know I got a couple of kids come up to me, and they were like, oh by the way, like I know you're a big basketball fan because you name's switch, like you know whose daughter goes here, and I'm like, oh yeah, Kobe, and they're like. Honestly, you should go to the Starbucks at Newport Beach and just chill there because he normally comes by around like 8 8 8 a.m., 8.30 a.m. So I literally the next day went to that Starbucks and waited for three hours from like 7.30 to 10.30. Just waited. Didn't show up, obviously. But I really wish that I could have met him before uh, obviously he passed away, which was really sad. Um, The second, I think, would be LeBron James. I I think LeBron James is just unbelievable. I, I don't get the hate that he gets. I don't know why, but I think the fact is like a lot of people in the early days of Colin Kaepernick could have turned their backs and been like, mm, you know, I have a, I have a Nike contract. I don't know if I should risk it for social yeah. justice, but LeBron James has gone out of every single like way to make sure that he puts out his worldview properly. And like, he makes people know, like, sometimes he's a bit wrong, right? Like is his kind of how he dealt with China, I think was a bit wrong, but the fact is he's an outspoken athlete and that's admirable because well, that, I think you should is, have outspoken athletes. That, that, yeah. is, that
5: is the reason why a lot of people dislike him is because right. he yep. genu- genuinely lives life by his own set of rules and is creating rules. And, mm-hmm. skills, and I think that rubs a lot of people who are insecure.
4: Right. right. Yeah. yeah. The wrong Yeah. 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 Yep. No. Yep. So and that, then. Yeah, and then and then number number three, Lewis Hamilton. Uh, similar reasons, but another person actually I would love to meet. But yeah, Lewis Hamilton. Just you know, I've become a big Formula One fan of the last year. Um, I don't know how that let, even happened. Let
3: me know about that one. You about what? Look, I um, I know a few people on his team. Do you? Oh
4: my god! Yeah. Okay, we got to follow up because yeah. I am obsessed, man. Like I've been trying to get to him through. Uh, I know one of the. I know a musician. His name's Pro. He's a DJ, but um, he knows I know Lewis well. Business
3: manager. Yeah,
4: we got to we got to make that happen. Yeah. Jesus Christ, I'm yeah. a huge huge fan. But uh <laughs> and then number number four and five, I think are kind of up in the air. But I think Serena Williams is definitely there, also because my mom is so obsessed with Serena Williams Dude, and like
3: she is so impressive, so impressive. Like
4: pregnant guys, while playing. It's like did how did that the even meme
3: happen? of uh, Dwayne Wade's new hairstyle? No. This is hilarious. So he he's all blonde. Oh yeah. And then yeah, they yeah. put Serena winding back a forehand, like, and they put yeah, yeah, standing yeah, 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 yeah. in front of it. She's
5: she's amazing. I've gotten, I've gotten to meet yeah. her a couple of times. Oh. How is she? She's she's really down to earth and really cool. That's I actually dope. know her and her um, sister's agent. He's the right. agent out of out
3: of Cleveland. That's Not dope. So yep. Yeah. And so then me on that. <laughs> and
4: yeah, number five, I, I can't think of number five, really. I don't know, sorry. Yeah, number five, I was saying it was up in the air. Roger Federer. Roger Federer. Um, that's why I was kind of up in the air. It's like, you know, who's the goat of tennis? <laughs> he's, on
5: my, he's on my list, too.
4: Yeah, Roger Federer is so, he's so iconic, so humble. Such a great such a great athlete overall.
3: Nice. Yeah. Nice. What about uh, on the music side? And yeah. you can you can keep it in hip hop or you can take it to all the music if you want to.
4: Yeah. I'll do all of the music. The so number one for me would definitely be Travis Scott. I'm a big Travis Scott fan. Uh, ever since Rodeo came out, I've been a huge fan, I've gone to every concert that I possibly could have gone to.
3: Is um, it something with your generation that he connects with that you think is deeper than anything else?
4: I think it's just like, candidly, I think it's just like the kind of like raging mentality along with just like, being super energetic and not really caring about what other people think like, like i think metal? yeah
3: this is it like the new metal or punk?
4: yeah definitely the the beats are awesome like his yeah. music is just like you can get really hyped up with it yeah. um i don't know i think it's just like his flow is really cool the auto-tune just is like so perfect like people can butcher auto-tune like that's the thing people are like oh he's auto-tuned it's so easy it's like no no if no. you get that like that level of precision with like good auto-tune Like the last time I heard that was like fucking T-Pain back in the day. Like it it is hard to get Mm -hmm. that level of auto-tune right. And especially doing that also across live performances where I think he's easily the best live performer of all time because he's so energetic. He leaves a good show no matter where you're at. Um, Right. Yeah. It's it's so interesting talking to you because
3: everything you're using to describe Travis Scott, I would have used when I was, you know, high school age to describe event sevenfold which is like what i grew up on lincoln park right right, event right it was like the same energy but expressed yeah. differently yeah. right so maybe it's and like it's our
4: like, generation
3: that's what you know?
5: i'm he wondering is your, yeah he is your generation's leader
3: yeah totally
4: totally um i think past that like you know, it's a little controversial, I guess. I mean, Michael Jackson. I, I, I would probably say it's hard to qualify just because, like, I was a big Michael Jackson fan growing up, and then obviously all the scandals and everything came out, and it's hard to be a public Michael Jackson fan. But <laughs> obviously, you know, like he inspired <laughs> me to go into dance. The art, yeah, he inspired That's me to go into fun. dance. I'm very you honest know. about that. And, That's you No, know, yeah.
5: you know, it's funny about the the Michael Jackson situation. I feel like you can support the art, and also, mm-hmm. um, in America, we have this thing innocent until proven guilty that I think. He hasn't gotten, you know, he was never convicted of any of this stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and it seemed like there's there are issues with some of the people who have accused him, right? Because there is a there is a school of thought, and I've experienced this with with friends when you that you can be a target. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I do think that we do have to give him some quarter it's not like r kelly where the evidence is right in front
3: yeah. of you. you've you seen that mm-hmm. happen with people you know yeah wow that's wild, Whereas,
4: uh, it's, it's, so yeah i mean uh, you know that happens 100 percent. i agree i don't know what the facts are but to be fair just from an art perspective dance music love it um and then i think kind of the, the last three justin bieber is there for sure his music's amazing and i i also just i i generally and, uh, vibe with him as a yeah, character Canada exactly. too. And then The weekend and Drake. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: All
5: Canadians.
4: <laughs> the right? Canadian trio uh, kind of makes up the third <laughs> and fifth. But yeah, The Drake and Weekend, obviously. Like, how can you not like Drake? He's, he's, he's you know, it's probably impossible. one of the best artists it's of all time. It's
3: impossible to yeah. not like Drake.
5: I'm with Got to ask you this this last one is um, because you keep talking about reading, you talked about it mm. multiple times. Do you have a top five book list?
4: i don't know if i have a top five i have like just general books that i like reading i don't know if i can rank them compared Looks to like each other
5: read multiple times
4: yeah. yeah i mean so like you know even like from an early age like i wrote i read a book called ink heart was a very very good book uh you know just a, a fiction book but like at the same time like very creative book beautifully written um Frankenstein. I think if you ever, if you're in grade 11 or 12 and you have like an exam about an essay writing about any theme, any topic, Frankenstein is your book. That book <laughs> is the greatest book for literary analysis because it has every theme. It has betrayal. It has love. It has confusion, loyalty, whatever it is. Like it has everything in it. Um, and then I think in terms of business, Measure What Matters is a really good book about kind of uh, OKRs and goals. So like objectives and key results and goals. Uh, Zero to One by Peter Thiel, obviously, just a great book about learning how to be a contrarian and think, thinking of like, oh my God, like the basic principles that you're always told might not actually be true. Like being uh, the first mover in a space, maybe is not actually the best, maybe being the last mover in the space is best. And like being able to read some of those principles, you might not agree with everything, but it's still a pretty good and interesting read. And then the third book, it's actually literally like behind me right now, but it's called The Airbnb Story recently came out. And I love the Airbnb story. I love, you know, like watching keynotes from Brian Chesky, the CEO of Airbnb, because it's so cool to hear that they launched like four times, they got no traction. Paul Graham from YC said they were like the worst idea that he's ever heard, but still kind of believed them and believed in them and backed them. And then they went through all these legal issues, but they persevered and have built a really big company that somehow has also done really well through a COVID. Like they focused on interstate travel, and that's really helped them. and yeah, just, just a very, very admirable company overall.
5: It's awesome, man. You're a a fascinating guy. We've we've talked here for an hour and twenty four minutes, twenty five minutes, and I feel like we could continue talking for two hours. <laughs> hours.
2: Yeah,
5: but um, just genuinely, genuinely root for you, man. Excited for everything that that you have going on. I know you're going to make a huge impact. You've already made a huge impact on the world and you will continue to do so. And we'd love to continue to have you on as your journey continues. We want to have you back on here, man. And, um, just, just keep grinding and keep chasing your dreams.
4: Appreciate that. No, thank you for having me. This is awesome. This is definitely different than any other podcast I've done. You guys were right about that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) There's no sequence. There's no flow.
4: (laughs) Yeah. The whole
3: goal, you know, when, when we started this, the whole goal was like, because i joined year 2 of this podcast right mm-hmm. and so i was v and i were talking i was just like they had already been pretty unique with the interview style and mm-hmm. uh mecca the old house you know i was filling his spot and i was like let me like what can i bring to this and it's like i'll bring my like complete sense of disarming questions that are so off base that like you can't have a script to go yep. through this yeah. podcast yep. you know what i mean yep. it like mm-hmm. forces you to get normal so I, I like to ask like really random questions during <laughs> yeah. this just to like you know because you do a lot of interviews swish and i i know you come in prepared and i like call my got my scripted you answers yeah. yeah no i loved it yeah
4: this was great yeah. no honestly from the very beginning like i think 90 percent of the interview i've never even talked about publicly before so very very excited to have no. people hear this yeah
3: yeah thanks for being vulnerable too i mean the story you know your upbringing we didn't go super deep into that obviously but like um, just, you know, hearing where you came from and learning about how you actually like look at the world and how kind and giving you are to, you know, your LinkedIn community and everything beyond, right. It's, it's cool to be friends with somebody, you know, with, with your energy, man. And we appreciate you taking the time. Yep.
4: Thank you.
5: Definitely, man. Take care. Good luck. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Perfect. Thank you. guys. Right. Body As long as I can do other things with my mind. So um, I think the, the biggest thing is targeting targeting the right athletes. Because the last thing I want is an LP who is, you know, texting me every every month or once they spend, you know, their, their, yeah, once they once they spend their salary and we go on a strike and so they don't have the income in it for the, you know, two months that we're holding out that they thought they would have and they're blowing me up to take their money out or, you know, so um, that goes a long way with just surrounding yourself with great people, like I mentioned earlier, but also building a relationship. It's not just a, a, a lot of It's not just a let me get as much money as I can so I can get that 2% management fee. And if we get carried, we get carried. carry I want to grow together. I want to invest in a $250,000 SPV and, and close on it, show you that I can do this at a great level and attract more people. And, and you tell more people that, hey, you know, this guy gave me a IR 20% or this guy, you know, took my 20,000 and made it 120,000 that's a whole, you know, 10 games worth of paychecks that I just got, uh, by, by giving them one game check, you know, but, uh, it's just, you know, building, building the brand, building the culture is, is huge. That
5: mentality Um, is so refreshing, man, because I've been in these circles for a long time. And I think just like I say, a lot of industries, the sports industry is an industry of exploitation first and foremost. And I think it's not a good way, even for these agents and financial advisors to build sustainable businesses, by making it a hustle, how do I maximize what I'm going to get out of these guys in the short term, without thinking beyond and thinking long term, right? Yeah. And I think just you having that mindset is 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 needed in this industry,
1: right? And so I don't I don't I don't um, I don't seek guys who have that short term mindset. I, th- I think that's a great way to put it, right? So guys who are already thinking long term way before investing, right? They're thinking long term as in. Hey, I just got this two million dollars signing bonus, but mm-hmm. I know I could break my leg like Alex Smith in any moment. I know I could, you know, par- get paralyzed. I know I could, you know, walk away from the game and get cut or whatever it may be. And so, this two million has to be a two million that can be, you know, with compound interest, two point seven in, in five years, right, or whatever it may be. And so, being able to target those guys and, and, and understand that. Uh, there's not a lot of education out there for them, so also educate them on that. Like, well, like I said, talking to financial advisors was one, one of the saddest things I did, really, through through this whole fundraising process because they're not as you know, and it's not not a knock on financial advisors. A lot of financial advisors don't specialize in venture investing, but um, it's one of those things where there's more for these af- athletes, and I want to uh, educate them first and foremost.
3: Awesome, man. Well, I know we're, we're coming up on time here. So we'd like to wrap up all of these interviews with uh, a top five um, in music and in sports. So we'd love to hear uh, your most inspiring athletes and uh, the most inspiring artists.
1: That's hilarious because I was just thinking of like a top five athletes, not even though I mean, not uh, athletes, artists, not even though I was going to get asked this question. But wow. um, so we're going to go little baby. future young thug uh little uzi vert and then that fifth one is Gunna or young Dolph. and i say this i know you're like yo he didn't say drake i think drake is one of those uh omnipresent type of people he's He's on on everybody's list right (laughs) so it's not even something i need to mention it's kind of obvious right it's like playing pickup football i'm the all-time quarterback right i I play quarterback on both sides it's it's understood, right? So it's not one of those things. So that's my top five. I don't even want to take, you know, somebody's space. To,
5: Drake, Drake's on his, his own list. The way I look at it right now is Drake's on his own list.
1: Right. Everyone right.
5: Else is, everyone else is, is on
1: another list. Right. And so uh, athletes um, in no particular order, just because that'd be hard to do on, on time. But Steph Curry, um, or not Steph Curry, Steph Curry, uh, LeBron James is, is highly commendable. What he's doing off the court, I think, is the most – uh, important thing of his career, right? With the I Promise School and everything he's doing. I have so much respect for that. Um, I'm a big, uh Larry Fitz guy, uh, just because of Larry. the way Larry, you never heard a bad thing about Larry and the way he yeah. handles himself off the field and on the field, just world-class. Um, and he's, you know, big and in investing and really making his money and, and le- money stretch and leveraging his brand. Um, and then let's go. Who else? Who else? Uh, I'm a cam guy. I like cam cam has a bit good business portfolio, good business at, at Um, he's in Lasso. He's uh, Mashika. Uh, he does all this um, community work as well with his uh foundation. He does the seven Oh seven camp. Uh, so th- those are some of the guys just off the top of my head that um, I, I respect, you know, Kyrie Irving as well. I like the way Kyrie uh, thinks he, he's one of those guys that gets labeled as a, a nutcase or a head case, whatever you want to call it. But, I think he has some really valid points, I and mean, when you sit down and really listen to Kyrie, um, he really, you know, is you know saying stuff that people are coming ar- across later and actually agreeing to, especially Much with like the whole. Kanye.
5: Yeah, right, you, right. You, you know, you gotta you gotta remember a lot of of Cavs fans, uh, they have a uh, their perception is swayed by what how he broke up our broke up our team by wanting right, to. <laughs> go, nah, you. go do his thing so I think their their perspective is a little jaded um yeah. and has to be taken with a grain of salt
1: <laughs> and I actually thought um with him and Kevin Durant connecting Kevin Durant spoke out a lot on Kyrie's behalf of just got to understand the guy right yeah. yeah and so um me being able to sit back and because Kyrie was my favorite player at one point yeah. um and I kind of you know he's back, but he's still you know an amazing athlete still an amazing point guard but uh just being able to hear him out and just you know listen, listen with the uh, open ear.
3: Yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. Well, that was an amazing interview. We've got a lot of gems here that we're going to be able to share with an awesome audience. So thank you so much for your time, Brandon. This has been amazing.
1: No, I appreciate you guys having me. These was great questions. Uh, honestly got me thinking outside the box. It wasn't your cookie cutter podcast interview. So I got some, uh, good answers and good questions. I love it. Always part of always keeping me on my toes. I love it. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Look, we appreciate it, man. And we definitely want you to keep coming back on as, as you continue to succeed. We want to, we want to be a part of that success and hear about it.
1: No, likewise. And real quick, can you tell me what pilot boys means? What, well, what was the, my name?
5: Well, it is, it is what you are, right? Mm-hmm. The captain? The belief that you are the captain of your own destiny in life, um, to be yourself, be confident in yourself, our slogan is be you, be you is fly, you know? Yeah, I like um, it. And I think that that's, that's what you represent. That's why we're so happy to have you on our podcast.
1: Nice, love it. I love what you guys are doing. Awesome, thank you, man. Nah, I appreciate you guys having me, take care.
0: You're listening to the Pilot Boys Podcast. Fan of our content? Help us continue creating by supporting us on the Pilot Boys Podcast Patreon. Donations start at just one dollar. And there are some cool perks for higher level donations. Undo Media is proud to be the production partner for the Pilot Boys. Storytelling is what they do. From video production, podcasting, and consulting, Undo Media's focus is on telling your story. Find out why four Emmys and hundreds of clients will back up why you should contact Undo Media for your next project. Look them up at undomedia.com.
5: That's all we have for today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. Always remember be you you is fly. pilot voice out.
2: pilot voice we